0: geopolitics and empire is joined by my tnt radio colleague founder of climatedepot.com and author mark morano his latest smashing and absolute must-read book is the great reset global elites and the permanent lockdown welcome to
1: geopolitics and empire mark thank you so much happy to be here and happy to be back on your show yeah i was on your show back in tnt in june so happy to be on your podcast now appreciate the opportunity
0: yeah, and I've been following your work for for years. I've interviewed some of your colleagues, uh, like uh, Lord Christopher Mar- uh, Monckton, Rupert Darrell, and, yes. and ma- many others speaking against this uh, tyranny. And, you know, basically everything that people like myself have been talking about for the past two plus years is contained in your book. Basically, it covers all aspects of what I like to call the global uh, dystopia. It's, it's well-referenced. It mentions many authors that I'm familiar with, some that have been my guests on TNT and geopolitics and empire. Um, many listening will be well-versed in the basics of the Great Reset, but maybe to start, if you can, give us sort of your understanding, you know, your big picture of, uh, about, of this global dystopia that we've been living in the past couple of years.
1: Okay, the big picture is very simple. This is a movement in the United States, particularly, it's been been since Woodrow Wilson was president. And the idea is you could use the phrase expertocracy uh, or managerial state or the administrative state. The idea is there has been an ideological movement by those in power and government. So this is a movement that's been afoot since Woodrow Wilson in the nineteen teens. And essentially, this was accelerated somewhat during Franklin Delano Roosevelt's term. He had an advisor that said, Why should the Soviets have all the fun? And there were calls for nationalization of food, nationalization of energy, restrictions on free speech. So there's always been this impulse of government to control. But what really happened and why this book came into being and why this whole great reset movement. Was COVID nineteen in March of 2020 was perhaps the greatest psychological operation or psychop ever imposed upon the world in such a short time with so much establishment public health media propaganda using fear and essentially doing the opposite of what public health officials had called for for years. They had called for calm, ration, you know, no fear used, and they did. They flipped the book, and so because we got unprecedented lockdowns of healthy asymptomatic people and because we followed china and because the the world was so compliant going along with these lockdowns this bore the movement of the great reset which was first you know appeared in 19 i'm sorry in 2014 from the world, uh, from the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, president, was the first time he used that phrase, and then they did a whole bunch of videos. So they were sort of poised in waiting, and the idea was this: was this time to impose a managerial state where we'd all be ruled by credentialed experts? And in June of 2020, following the COVID lockdowns, the head of the World Economic Forum gave a speech and did an op-ed where he said, "It's time for a great reset." of capitalism. This is a rare, narrow window of opportunity by which we can act. And they were very clear what their goals were. You you will owe nothing. You'll be happy. You'll have no privacy. Life will never be better. Meat will be rare, expensive treat. Climate will be the number one priority. We're going to end fossil fuels. The U.S. will no longer be a superpower. And uh, uh, across the world, uh, climate activists started saying, if we can shut down the world for a virus, we can shut it down." for the climate so essentially you got into a permanent lockdown state the Scottish government voted to make their powers pandemic powers permanent and uh, this is where we are now fast forwarding to make a really brief comment they're collapsing our energy system the global policy again unelected bureaucrats coming from net zero united nations they're collapsing our food uh, production going after nitrogen high yield agricultural farming methods and that includes in Europe, Canada, Australia, creating intentional food shortages. They're collapsing our transportation system with the ban on gas-powered cars in California. They are without a vote of anyone, just a government governor's executive order. In Australia, banks aren't gonna finance loans for gas-powered cars. The World Bank wants to stop financing um, gas-powered cars. They're gone after our free speech rights We didn't vote for that. It's corporate government collusion. Biden White House issues a decree of, uh, you know, get rid of these people on the internet. Gone. What do you want next? Here's a website. Take this down. We're on it. Big tech censorship is government censorship. So that is all the great reset. They essentially saw how compliant we were in unprecedented lockdowns, and they want to keep the good times rolling, and that is exactly their intent a message from our sponsors it seems we may be
0: headed for the 1930s all over again financial collapse tyranny and world war i've already secured multiple passports offshore accounts safe havens and escaped to the sunnier shores of mexico my friend michael thorup of the expat money show is hosting the expat money summit with 30 plus experts that'll help you reclaim freedom in this fourth turning by moving your life and wealth offshore Protect yourself and secure a new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com or don't and enjoy surviving on insect protein while stuck in the metaverse. Since 2020, Ron Unz of Unz.com has argued the COVID outbreak was due to a U.S. biowarfare attack against China and Iran. Jeffrey Sachs, the Russian Ministry of Defense, and others are now making similar suggestions. Weeks before COVID appeared in Wuhan, a top U.S. biowarfare official ran the Crimson Contagion exercise on how to protect America against infection if a dangerous virus suddenly appeared in China. After COVID appeared in Wuhan, it jumped to Iran, infecting Iranian leadership only weeks after America had assassinated Iran's military commander. Iran publicly accused America of an illegal biowarfare attack and filed a complaint with the UN. Ron Unz has produced a free ebook and is available for interviews to further discuss this issue. And don't forget to fund Geopolitics and Empire. You can leave a donation, except on Patreon or PayPal, which have banned us, book a consultation, or become a member. And again, I highly recommend the book. I'm about halfway through, and uh, it it basically, it's bringing back flashbacks. uh, You know, the the nightmares of the first two years of the pandemic. uh, And that first year was rough for me and for many of us, because we could see this tyranny, and and everyone around us was just sort of uh, complying. And it was just so frustrating, and so yes. bringing bringing back uh, memories. And maybe maybe to get your thought, you talk about these the flu data and uh, these emergency powers becoming global and regular, which is unprecedented in the history of mankind. And maybe just get your quick thought on the nature of this power structure. I've interviewed you know a whole, a whole bunch of people like Michael Recknwald and, and others who have their take on. What, what um, you know, the description of this power structure? It's it's fascist. It's communist. It's technocracy. It's got elements of you know capitalism, yes. mono- monopoly capitalism, oligarchy, plutocracy. As you say, public-private uh, partnership, stakeholder capitalism. It's this monstrous. It's like the, the the worst of everything put together. How would you describe that?
1: <laughs> yes, you did a very good job. Essentially, here's a simple way of I describe it. It's the Chinification of the once free West. And this is important because China has led sort of the the way on this. China, with the social credit system, we are now copying that. And we saw that firsthand about vaccine passports. If you didn't get the jab, you weren't allowed to eat in restaurants. You weren't going to be able to be a member of society. You weren't going to be able to leave the country, come back into the country. I mean, this we saw globally. We saw banking cut off in African nations, European nations. If you didn't get the vaccine, you wouldn't have access to your own money. If you protested like they did in Canada, you wouldn't have access to your own money. That's what Trudeau colluded with bankers. So that's right. This is not socialism- uh, by any means. It's not necessarily Marxism. It's a new form. You could call it 20th century fascism, but it's corporate government collusion, working with these international bodies, global elites. And the idea of what they're trying to achieve here is government by emergency power. So in the book, I go back to the Roman Republic and the fall of the Roman Republic, the descent into an empire because of abuse of emergency power, centralization of emergency powers, uh, in the Middle Ages. Germany, 1933, the biggest setup for the, I won't go violate Godwin's law here, but a, a certain dictator used 1933 and was able to do massive abuses of power. Fast forward to the United States, 9-11, the terrorist attacks. We do the uh, emergency declaration on terror, leads to the Patriot Act. Our, for the first time, we set up a bio- security surveillance state on our own citizens. And this keeps getting supported. So we needed those in the past to build up. So COVID comes along, emergency decree comes, every governor, every mayor, every world leader literally could become a dictator overnight, canceling church, gym, weddings, funerals, issuing curfews, stay at home orders. But hey, big corporate chains like Walmart, abortion clinics, uh, and you know any retail chains could be open, but all the small mom and pops shut down, estimated like 60% of inde- independent restaurants in New York City uh, would either be decimated or closed. But meanwhile, the biggest transfer of wealth from the bottom to the top that anyone's ever measured, and there was something like 30 billionaires a day being created. I may have that number off, uh, but it was, it was a huge number of billionaires. I don't have the stat in front of me. But essentially, the biggest transfer of wealth from the poor and middle class to the wealthy—this was music to their ears. This is why Jane Fonda, the activist, actually said, "Covid was God's gift to the left," because it accelerated all of these trends which they'd been working on for a hundred years here in the United States, and it happened with unbelievable rapidity, with unbelievable compliance by the public.
0: And uh, again, your book covers the gamut—you uh, know, everything from the lockdown policies, PCR tests, the the shutdowns, as you just talked about, wiping out the middle class, censorship, and and for me the thing that sticks out. We may have touched touched on this in the past on TNT, but uh, and I still feel this threat is on the verge of of coming back. I just read in Austria, a whole bunch of people had their vaccine certificates um, inexplicably turned from green to red. The thousands were calling in uh, to the government to figure out um, why. Uh, but at the end of the article, it said in the, the we might see a corona autumn you know this autumn coming back and they may have to reactivate yeah. their you know health nazi health passes in austria and so i still feel w- we could see this coming back and it, this is the thing that freaks me out the most the vaccine passport you know i had on um geopolitics yeah. and empire Stephen mosher head of the population research institute he said you know the vaccines were to bring in uh the digital passports which is to bring in the social credit system, and as you outline in your book, th- this seems to be Aldo Huxley's final revolution. Uh, it's prevented people from leaving their house, seeing their family, getting medical attention. I had a uncle here uh, in Croatia, uh, where I'm talking to you uh, from now. Um, he had his, he got cancer, and he he his his treatment was delayed for months, uh, and you know even the vaccines. Um, I had uh, another uncle who took the shot and now he's, uh, I guess, feeling adverse effects. And so you couldn't buy food in some places even. And so what's your thought on this social credit system? It's already here. I think, as you point out, it's uh, we we see Visa MasterCard now categorizing uh, gun sales, frozen bank accounts in Canada. What's your thought uh, on the social credit? Well, I don't know if
1: you got I have a whole chapter basically on the, the social credit system and the vaccine passports. Here's the bottom line with that. Because they were able to get the fear generated with COVID and then the infrastructure by the emergency powers to bypass democracy, they were able to do unprecedented advances. So here on top of what everything you just mentioned, again, we had access. People couldn't get to their bank cards unless you got the jab. You couldn't go to restaurants. And then, of course, they had the, the Soviet uh, theater, if you will, of you can't eat inside the restaurant, but here's a tent five feet away that's heated and, and is enclosed. You're allowed to eat there to the letter of the law, but you can't go in the building because you don't have a vaccine. I mean, just that's very Soviet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would know about that. Mm-hmm. The idea is you're just you're complying with some bureaucratic edict, but it you know has no impact on on anything, because you're basically violating the spirit of the edict. You're still eating in an enclosed space. But anyway, so what's happened with this is now you have the the Europe, the Central Bank of England calling for digital central digital currency. This year, a few months ago, Joe Biden had a, a national executive order on a central bank digital currency, and they're going after what we call programmable money. Canada's following this as well. And this is all related to vaccine passports. The idea is Instead of a cash society or, you know, essentially independent banks, you're going to have a digital central currency by the government. And in the book, I go in great detail and explain how this is going to be like food stamps, where a food stamp is sort of a a credit you can only use at certain places for certain type of foods, heavily restricted. It's a government, you know, food aid. That's how your money is going to be seen. You want to buy a gun, the government can shut you off. The Bank of England, and this is according to the UK Telegraph, says you can't spend this money. The government will deem what you can spend your money on and the government has to deem it sensible expenses. So if you're buying junk food, if you're buying too much fuel, if you're buying firearms, that could all be seen as insensible or not sensible and they will restrict your purchase. The United Nations has already teamed up with MasterCard and this is in my book. On the, I have two chapters on the COVID climate connection. And the idea is they have a credit card now that monitors your carbon footprint. First in the world, isn't that great? The UN and MasterCard, just, just the marriage you never thought you wanted to see. And the idea is the World Economic Forum's in on this. They praise this card. They say it cuts off your spending when you hit your CO2 max. So now if you have a credit, keep in mind, it's voluntary right now, but remember the vaccines were voluntary originally. You know, So this card is voluntary, but the idea of it is, it's going to monitor your gas, your home energy bills, your food bills, travel, and if you're exceeding it, you're not going to be able to spend money. This is an incredible template, and I quote in the book. You mentioned Aldous Huxley and, and, and the and and from the Brave New World author. There's a whole school of thought that this this tyranny which we're descending on under the Great Reset is not necessarily like the tyrannies of old in in terms of needing. Gulags, secret police, concentration camps. This is something where, if you are a dissenter of the regime in power, they can just unperson you. They can deplatform, cancel, take away your ability to spend money, and make you essentially neuter you to the point where you're not even a factor. And we saw this recently with an MMA fighter, a, a mixed martial arts fighter in America came crosshairs with cancel culture, and he lost his Gmail, his social media, his website. We've seen in the United States, it was Chase Bank got uh, canceled. Donald Trump's former national security advisor, General Flynn, because they didn't like his politics. We've seen... Anti-COVID lockdown activist Candace Owen denied medical treatments at a COVID clinic, not by some rogue employee, but by the company itself because she didn't support lockdowns. They didn't want to give her a COVID test that was required for travel. So you're going to be denied medical care, access to money, government and your employer will monitor to make sure you're making, quote, sensible purchases. This is the vision that they've laid out. This is coming from the World Economic Forum in Davos very closely tied to the united nations sustainable development agenda the world health organization is now pushing a pandemic treaty so if you if you weren't afraid already this is something to be very afraid of because in the book I detail how this pandemic treaty is going to is designed to crush any dissent. You won't have a Sweden, you won't have a Florida bucking the lockdowns and all the COVID theater, because any country that signs on to this, and in the United States, Joe Biden is pushing hard for the U.S. to sign on to this. It's going to give a Gates-funded scientist at the WHO, and including the head of the WHO, Tedros, to just be able to declare a pandemic, and they will then be able to do global Internet bans, which they've talked about in the dry runs to stop misinformation, they will be able to shut down travel, issue vaccine passports, nation lockdowns. They want as much power to flow away from communities into these central, you know, intergovernmental bodies, global global institutions like the WHO, World Economic Forum, UN, who are going to make these decisions and do what's best for us because we're not qualified. We can't tell you that our kids should wear a mask eight hours a day in kindergarten because uh, we're not epidemiologists. How dare a parent oppose a mask mandate to their kid all day in school Did they study epidemiology? Do they have 40 years of government public health experience? I thought not shut up peasant. This is the world in which we're facing.
0: And I know last time we spoke, I mean, you're generally an optimistic sort of uh, guy. And uh, I guess uh, we we could call, you know, we could uh, describe it as Operation Barbarossa, that they're launching on mankind, you know, the Nazi uh, attempt to take over Russia in 1941, was it? But um that's what's going on now we're in, we're in the thick of it and it's on a global scale and maybe you get your thoughts sort of and it really it really feels like they're pushing forward with this i mean i i'm afraid now uh you know maybe tomorrow i won't even be able to to travel so they'll just declare health certificates necessary again or they're capping flights like in amsterdam they said um you know they're limiting the number of annual flights now. They they can just jack up the prices for a ticket to ten thousand dollars, and then I can't afford to leave. And is so,
1: Amsterdam doing that for COVID or climate?
0: No, for climate now. They they said I think yeah. for yeah. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So wh- how do you see sort of this, the the road ahead? And then you know what do we do? <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, you know, where they want to go. So keep in mind, I'm, I'm painting a dire picture, but it's our future only if we allow it. So I don't, I don't mean to say this is, you know, we're doomed to this, but I'm just saying they're making incredible advances. And uh, thus far, the public has been very compliant. So that's the problem. Um, okay. Where they go with this. First of all, Joe Biden is set to declare a national climate emergency, according to the Associated Press, Washington Post, here in America. Once he does that, We are potentially talking about 130 executive powers he will be granted, wartime powers, like the War Production Act. This could extend to mayors, governors. So you could have now adding on to everything we had with COVID theater, mayors and governors deciding that we need car-free cities, that we need more thermostat controls that you're seeing in Spain, that we saw in Colorado in the US, where people want to turn their thermostats down in a heat wave and and they got a report from the utility saying, we've taken control of your thermostat, there's an energy emergency, you cannot put the air conditioner any colder. That's the kind of stuff they're looking for. And they're also looking to ground vehicles. Okay, so could it simply... I always say this, and I mean this. We're not. This isn't something. It's not all what could happen. We're living through it right now. So here's here's what's happening. They're collapsing our current energy supply. Have been doing so for years, but it's really accelerated since the Ukraine invasion because they're using the Ukraine invasion as cover to collapse the entire energy grids and go even more green. And essentially, and we have bomb, we have administration officials bragging that they need high energy costs in order to push. Their green revolution. so they want people to be miserable so they're more willing to accept it. So they're collapsing our energy infrastructure. they're collapsing our transportation uh, right now. you have mayor uh, Governor Newsom in California without a single vote issued an executive order and then a bureaucratic board announced that by 2035 with rugged with strict phase- in, they're going to ban the gas powered car. 17 U.S states are going to follow suit. The Biden administration is praising it, they're going to try to make it on a national level. The World Bank is saying we need a timetable to end uh gas-powered cars, which means the automakers are gonna have trouble getting financing to even build a gas-powered car if the World Bank isn't on board, is on board with it. Australia, a bank, has already announced it won't give a car loan to anyone seeking a, buy, to buy a gas-powered car. Do you see where this is headed? So they're collapsing. And all that's gonna do is one thing: create. Car shortages. And once you create car shortages, you're not you're only a stone's throw away from Cuba, where you're driving around old American cars, or East the old East Germany, where you had a Trabant, where the government said, you can only own buy this one car. This is the politically preferred car. In the case of America, it's going to be an EV. In the case of East Germany, it was their crappy Trabant, which people had to wait five years for this little tiny crappy government uh uh promoted car so they're collapsing energy transportation and then what agriculture they're now the united nations a few years ago did a report about agriculture warned about nitrogen fertilizer which is part of the agricultural revolution which led to high yield farming agriculture which has fed the world defied all the predictions of the eco doomsayers of the 60s and 70s warning of famines and resource scarcity but now in real time Canada, Australia, decimating farmers, the Netherlands, throughout Europe, they're going after shutting down the smaller, independent, family-run farms. Meanwhile, corporate equity asset farming is continuing. Bill Gates buying up farmland in the US, China buying up farmland. Bill Gates, now the single largest farmland owner, pushing synthetic beef, fake meat, uh, the World Economic Forum pushing insect eating, so they're collapsing our food supply, our transportation, our energy. They've collapsed our free speech rights. Uh, they're going to now go after digital currency. So when I say this Great Reset, it's not just something that may happen in the future. We're living through it now, and particularly the energy, transportation, and food. Digital currency is still you know, in development. Uh, but this is where we are, and the way to fight it, I devote a whole chapter to that at the end called The Great Reject.
0: Yeah. And and just on that note, just some news I was reading yesterday, Toyota said they're hedging their bets on EVs. So, uh, you know, I think I'm in the market for a car. I might go for a Toyota because given the the way they're talking, they might continue to manufacture gas-powered vehicles. And uh, in my home of Mexico, I just read an article, there's this Mexico Global Compact, and they're signing on all these companies. Uh, They openly said Agenda 2030 they're going to get the companies on board and to, to, to implement all of this in their companies and being led by Academia my former place of work the very yeah. globalist uh tech demon today is is leading the way and yeah and I as you said we're, we're watching it like I can see it in different countries around the world they're cutting car lanes they're you know doing all the stuff that you're talking about it's happening now people are completely ob- oblivious um but you know we, we did see I think yesterday over the weekend, uh sweden um got uh, a right-wing party came to power in canada in canada the conservative uh, party has a new anti-wef leader uh pierre and justin castro sounded like he was running scared and do you see rumblings perhaps uh of the beginning of a populist uh, pushback
1: yeah I, i really believe that even like with stuff like the cars i mean it's it can't happen i mean the rare earth mining necessary to, to ban gas powered cars and replace them with EVs, it couldn't happen. So much like Marie Antoinette said, let them ride, I'm sorry, let them eat cake. The new motto is let them ride the city bus, because that's all you're going to be forcing is people into mass transit. So Toyota fighting back, I mean, once these actual targets get closer and closer, it just can't happen. There's going to be massive pushback, but there's still, and even though they won't achieve the goal of banning the gas powered car certainly by 2035. And by the way, no one voted for that. I just can't say that enough. These are bureaucratic, un- unaccountable executive orders, Chinification. No one voted to get rid of plastic straws and get paper straws, but then you've suddenly found them. No one voted to get rid of paper towels in and, and restrooms, but suddenly you have all these air dryers that are being powered by coal and gas and you know electric air dryers. So these things just happen. So I mean, they don't happen. They, they appear to just happen, but they're, they're they're coordinated and planned behind the scenes. But they don't. They happen without benefit of democracy. And so one of the things I detail tell is how the, the all these Western leaders from, I think you said Justin Castro, you were referring to Justin <laughs> yeah. Trudeau. That's funny. Yeah. But Justin Trudeau praised, you know, obviously, you know, it's great admiration for China. I detail the New York Times columnist, Tom Friedman extolled the virtues of China's one party rule and how it didn't have the messiness of democracy. They can impose what's right, particularly on climate and issues. We have Obama administration officials praising China, the former UN chief praised China uh, as getting things done so without the messiness. Again, they love that bypassing of democracy. So what COVID did and what the Great Reset's trying to keep going through emergency powers and crisis is to uh, essentially uh, make the once-free West more and more like China. We're now imitating their one-party system. So if you remember back in the 1990s uh, and we had all these free trade agreements, world trade organization, all these global economic things, people said, oh, if we can bring China and get them more wealthy, they're going to become more like us. They'll be like Western values. They'll leave their communist past. Well, the opposite happened. Not only did all these agreements and the global uh, uh, packages gut the industrial bases of Europe and the United States. But we became, the One Tree West has become more and more like China. We love the one-party rule. We love imposing all this through unelected bureaucracy. And we love the social credit system that China has introduced upon the world. And that's what environment social governance is, which has been embraced by the Biden administration embraced throughout Europe, embraced by all the equity asset firms, by BlackRock, invest by all the Fortune 500 in corporate America, embraced by Hollywood, embraced by academia. And the idea is if you have a oil drilling company, you better have someone there that identifies as a woman. You better have the right racial mix. You better have um, you know, your pronouns uh because you're not getting financing alone, you're not getting investors uh for those projects because you're damaging the earth, and you better make up for it in all these other woke ways and so this is where the real threat comes from, and this is really what's killing energy throughout the world. It's not so much executive orders and just old fashioned regulations. It's the lack of financing and ability to find investors because the banking system, there's viewed now as a social pariah, as a climate criminal. And under ESG scores, you can't fund these, uh, these projects anymore and you can't get money for them. So the money's drying up. And this is, again, corporate government collusion with academia. In the book, I quote biotech engineer Vivek Ramaswamy, who talks about... Um, how we were guarding against big government here in the United States anyway, for decades, Uh, but in the back, uh, from the front door, but in the back door, this sort of fascism came in, led by the, in the ideology of the Chinese communist party. And with in collusion with uh, the woke activists and academia here, and this is what you end up with. It's a, it's essentially the great reset in action where we don't get a say anymore. Things are done because it's good for us. And you can see that with COVID. We're seeing it now with climate. No one's voting for a climate emergency. It's being declared under emergency powers. And you could say, oh, well, the courts will stop all this. Well, have they? Took two years in the United States for one Donald Trump appointed federal judge to stop the COVID theater of masks on airplanes, trains, and buses, two solid years before that was, you know, struck down at this, at a court level, so they can do a lot of damage, no matter how lawful it is. But it takes years for any court to even address these issues when they get away with it, and by then, they can do all sorts of, uh, you know, damage.
0: Apart from fighting uh, the, the good fight, uh, as you mentioned, I've had people who say, you know, protests. Uh, are, are useless petitions are useless uh, you know expert um guests you know pam popper was uh, talking along those lines uh the courts are one of the best places to fight this but as you just pointed out um it also takes a long time for a small victory and i get people consulting with me on a weekly basis from all around the world fleeing to places like uh mexico where where i am where there's more uh you know a little bit more freedom and many people feel that um they'll never be able to bring in this technocracy in in countries like, you know, Mexico or in parts of Latin America. Um, As we can see, we we do see that these governments, the Mexican government is on board. Uh, I'm not as optimistic that you'd be able to escape. I think eventually they could just declare overnight, you know, the governor executive order in Mexico says all businesses now must only accept, you know, digital Google payments or uh, you know, QR code payments, no more cash. I think they and plus, if they don't have the money, uh, I had another author, Nick Corbishley, who wrote a book on vaccine passports saying, you know, for example, Mexico, if it doesn't have the money, the World Bank or IMF will just give quarter of a billion dollars to Mexico to develop these technologies. And so uh, any thoughts about any if if we, we do slide into this dystopia, are there any jurisdictions that will be able People will be able to live with maybe some semblance of old normal free freedom. Or if we don't stop this now, it's just going to cover every uh, you know little nook and cranny of the globe.
1: Well, I mean, the problem with what you're saying is you can't necessarily bring a technocracy to Mexico now. But in the book, I detail how Belarus, uh, the country, was essentially offered bribes by the international community to go along with the lockdowns. And the president said he would not do it. He would not sell out the country. He refused to lock down his country. So they're very aggressive. Same tactics are used in the climate community. And the United Nations has a climate slush fund. The highest attending nations of any United Nations Climate Summit, which I go every year, I'm going to Egypt in October, in November, to the next UN Climate Summit, are from African nations because they promise them, the leaders, huge amounts of climate cash to essentially swallow hard and not allow... Uh, their countries to develop. So it's exactly diametrically opposed to the best interests of their countries, but if the, if they can pay the leaders off, they'll go along with it. Now having said that, the problem with your scenario of a couple countries holding out and having an escape hatch, the problem is with the international community, particularly the banking community, not allowing financing, cutting these countries off, it becomes harder and harder unless you're a self-sufficient country. in the case in point, is Russia? When Russia invaded Ukraine, it scared the hell out of me. Not because of what Russia did. I'm not commenting on that. I'm talking about the reaction, the sanctions. Everyone from Netflix to to Google Pay to Apple Pay immediately sanctioned anyone any Russian citizen. So all these people who thought they had hey this is this neat I could use my phone as my wallet, the money was cut off because of something their leader did and under you know they had no say over. And Essentially, the whole corporate thing, and I warned at the time back in February, those people cheering on, look at this, isn't it great that corporate America is teaming up and they're all sanctioning Russia? That's frightening stuff because that's cancel culture in action, and that can eventually be used for anything. If you have guns, if you want you want to eat meat, if you want to drive a gas powered car, you could be canceled just like that. And so that's the problem. It's going to be very difficult. If you're a country that's self-sustaining, and Russia, to an extent because of their energy, can withstand this. And there's actually a lot of evidence that Russia is benefiting. From these sanctions and now creating an alliance with China. Their currency has been staying strong. And the countries imposing the sanctions are the ones suffering: Europeans, the United States. So you can never really predict how that'll go. But the power and the collusion is what's so frightening when you look at what happened with Russia and all the corporate uh companies just jumping in with all the virtue signaling, essentially, uh, you know, and in, in trying to cancel everything Russian. There were even calls to have Tesla. Elon Musk company deactivate the electric cars in Russia, which terrified me because I didn't realize electric cars you could actually remotely, uh, essentially shut them down. But apparently, you're able to.
0: Yeah, I had issues with listeners who were donating to the podcast from Russia and mailing me, "Sorry, I can't send you uh, money anymore because, <laughs> you know, they've been cut off or um, contributors." Uh, to the podcast uh, as well that I needed to send money to that were not Russian. I couldn't get money <laughs> to them. But I guess I get one more question that uh, you also touch on in the book, Stockholm Syndrome. I've been talking about this for the past yeah. couple years. And, um, you know, th- there's this psychosis. Many of our friends and family have fallen under mass formation. You know, there's different names for it. Uh, and how people, I mean, it's still hard to believe how people can believe so profoundly in something that is so obviously false and, and a farce, whether it's, covid nine eleven, or, uh, as you point out, the climate stuff, the green agenda. But, you know, someone has pointed out to me, and I think it's a good a good point, that we don't have to convince these people who have doubled down and maybe stop wasting our time and energies on them and just focus on the critical mass that gets what's going on because that's all that's going to be needed to overturn the tyranny. And then these other, you know, lemmings will maybe later snap out of it. You know, any thoughts on dealing with uh, the the Stockholm syndromers?
1: Yeah, I write about that in the book. It's, it's fascinating because... There were people who sort of became in love with the lockdowns and they had a hard time adjusting and they didn't even want to come out. In fact, there was NBC News reporters who like them and their kids never left their home for like two years. They had everything delivered in. They were the laptop class. They had you know, the Uber Eats and everything and they didn't travel. And of course, all these people in the end ended up getting COVID, which was ironic, no matter how many times they got vax boosted. Um, but essentially, they became to love this new normal. People who didn't want to give up face masks, they loved the anonymity of it. And it goes back to that whole Stockholm syndrome where you end up loving your captor. And you look at people like Governor uh, Cuomo in New York, he was like a banana republic strongman. He would be up there every night. And any of those businesses that violate these orders, this is not a request. You will be shut down and you will face criminal and civil penalties your, your, your compliance is affecting my health. And this was the whole idea. You're a grandma killer. So people began to love that authoritarianism. This guy was keeping you safe. He wasn't the bad guy. Sure. He was shutting churches and he was killing old people and he was fudging numbers, uh, you know, in the stats. And if an old person was going to die in a, uh, uh, you know, they'd send in a nursing home, they'd send them to a hospital so the stat wouldn't show up, I and mean, they were doing all sorts of statistical nonsense. But people loved the idea that someone was their protector, keeping them safe in a perverse way. That's what the Stockholm Syndrome is. So, I think you at uh, the, the other thing I was going to mention is this is about telling the half of the population that would accept it that the other half will have zero tolerance. The only reason this happened in 2020 is the half who should have fought it, accepted it. And here in the United States, I argue that had Hillary Clinton been president and not Donald Trump, this would have gone down a whole lot different because I don't think churches in America, I don't think half of the population would have accepted Hillary ordering the country locked down, but they trusted Trump as a conservative Republican and Trump was completely duped. And we now know it's particularly that Deborah Burks, the, the, the COVID coordinator, admitted that they lied to Trump when they told him about the 15 days to slow the spread of COVID, two weeks to flatten the curve here in the United States. They openly admitted they didn't have the data. They just did it to buy more time so they could get the data. So Donald Trump was completely duped on that. I call it the greatest blunder of his presidency was signing this COVID executive order and going along with the 15 days to slow the spread. That ended the debate here and they had the forces of the reset if you will had won at that point in the united states
0: Yeah, and you said uh as you said people loving this new normal again Huxley literally said that in, in this brave yes. new world people would come to love their uh servitude and that's exactly what we're seeing through all of this social engineering behavioral economics they and don't so see forth
1: it, yeah they don't see it as servitude but they actually in the case of like say covert or climate you could have your npr listening uh you know cnn watching progressive who thinks Oh, I love my kid. Make sure that mask is on tight. That Anthony Fauci cares about my kid. Oh, I, good thing. Oh, look at those people. They're going to church. They should shut. They should arrest that priest or pastor. They shouldn't be having those services. Look at those. Did my neighbors go on a trip? They are violating the lockdown. How many people do they have in their backyard? Let's call the. Let's call the government. We can get a hundred dollar reward for turning them in, and they're going to have their water and electricity shut off if they're caught. This is what's happening in American cities. So these people look at this as this is great. And, you know, in the version of the brave new world, all this this was your enslavement. But the people in being enslaved looked at it as you're the wardens or the prison wardens were looking out for you. They're looking out for your safety. They care about you. And this is the world in which we live.
0: It's completely uh, insane. Uh, Any final thought uh, to leave us with then?
1: Yes, I end the chapter on a positive note. Berlin Wall didn't come down because the East German government said, hey, 40 years of Soviet oppression, let's let's tear down this wall, like Reagan said. The Berlin Wall came down in 1989 because the people of East Germany no longer gave their consent to tyranny. The whole Eastern Bloc fell and the Soviet Union fell, what, two years later. Um, and so... I point that out because I open up the great reject chapter at the end with Vaclav Klaus, the former president of the Czech Republic. And he openly talks about how what he saw under COVID lockdowns was what he lived under in communism for most of his life. He said they didn't call it social distancing back then, but it was the same effect you didn't have the right to assemble you couldn't congregate with others because the government in this communist era was afraid of you getting together and plotting against them civil uprising and he said it was the same concept And if you look at what happened in canada that's exactly what they did they shut down the bank accounts they suppressed it they called them domestic terrorists for their protest australia You know, same thing. They break up the protests. And if you gave a thumbs up on Facebook, you'd be visited by armed police at your house. So Vaclav Klaus says the message is you must defy at every level, basically every day, all of these rules and regulations. You cannot comply. Compliance only encourages them. I quote Lindsay Hoyle, the House of Commons leader in UK, in England, who said he was amazed at how, quote, compliant the public was on the COVID lockdowns. And because of that, it's time now to impose, essentially, a version for climate and energy lockdowns. In other words, strike while the iron is hot. So the last thing you can do is comply. And I also point out in the book, in the United States, at the school board level, the lowest level, the entry-rung level of politics, all hell broke loose across the country. In my home state of Virginia, We had angry parents willing to get arrested, fighting everything from critical race theory to the transgender agenda, to COVID theater. This toppled the Democratic Party machine in Virginia in a shock election, a Republican one, which then sent chill and almost happened in New Jersey, a couple other states, and it sent chill waves to the National Democratic Party. They did focus groups and they announced that the science had changed following these elections, And the political science had changed, not the science, but the political science had changed. Every major city following these elections, which were led by parents at school board revolts, lifted vax mandates and vaccine passports, mask mandates across the country from San Francisco, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, Baltimore. That's all it took was angry parents toppling a governor and then creating a ripple wave through national politics, which scared politicians and they lifted the restrictions. That's the kind of way you fight a great reset. But in more practical terms, we need reform of emergency powers across the globe. We need reforms on pandemic responses. We need limits on the powers of mayors and governors. We need essentially like a pandemic bill of rights. We need an emergency power bill of rights where there's got to be definitive criteria and expiration. And uh, at some point you need a vote on extending these powers. Uh, You know, the Biden administration is just able to keep extending COVID emergency powers in the United States. I haven't kept up with it around Europe. I mean, you said, I can't remember what country you said you're in, but are they still under COVID? Are you still under a COVID emergency in Croatia? No, it's everything's open here. Well, even if it's open, it's still they're still milking the emergency, which means they can un they can close it in a dime. I'm not asking if it's open. I'm saying oh. you, have to, it, you have to look into it mm-hmm. uh, because in the United States, everything's pretty much open. But, yeah, you know, they still have the emergency powers. They can do anything they want. And when Biden was first in, they were talking about a ban on interstate travel. But they backed off because they thought the public basically would rebel on that.
0: Yeah, that happened everywhere. I heard about in Croatia there being checkpoints between municipalities. Yes. And even in Mexico, they were talking the same thing. This is the global project they want to implement internal Soviet passports in every country. Uh, and as you said, with every fiber of our being, we need to defy uh, and not comply. That's what I've been doing since 2020. Uh, where are the best places to find you online and to support your
1: work? Uh, you go to climate depot, D E P O T dot com. You can actually order the book there, and that's my daily website. And also, I'm on Twitter at Climate Depot. And the book is "The Great Reset: The Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown." Um, and yeah, that's those are the three places. So, Twitter, my website, and the book. Uh, and it's a uh, you know we're in for a long battle. This isn't like you know a year from now it's all over because they've done such long-term planning. They've damaged our energy grids globally beyond almost repair, not repair, but beyond any quick turnaround. Our agricultural system is still a lot of hope for because this is really just starting in earnest in the last, you know, this past year. And then, of course, transportation is still salvageable, but energy is a long road. The other two are happening right now. We have to stop it. Free speech. Uh, has been a slower ride, and that's been happening, but that's gonna be a big battle as well. We have to be able to and i'm and I'm advocating now for essentially breaking up big tech. I know it sounds like Bernie Sanders here, and you know free marketers there's a private company and here I'm in washington d c right? All these free market libertarian, conservative think tanks they'll tell you with a straight face that no Facebook and Twitter and apple these are these are private companies. They can do whatever they want, oh really. So, and I argue big tech censorship is government censorship. There's the collusion there. They're benefiting off being the the, the public square. They're not following the rules and the government is giving them orders on who to censor. So it's the government violating our first amendment, the right of free speech based uh, and using the, the cover of these, of what would be called private companies. And this, this is wrong. So this is the kind of reforms we need. Uh and I don't have a clear picture of how you break up big tech because you don't want to you don't want the solution to be worse than the problem. you don't want a government takeover you don't want nationalizing information you don't want nationalizing energy you don't want nationalizing transportation, but at the same time, you don't want a billionaire oligarchy as well so yeah this is requ- this is where the conversation needs to be is how do we solve this
0: yeah it's it's a long hard road to freedom. We need to all you know, p- put our, with our actions, fight the, the good fight. And this is our battle, uh, I guess, for Middle Earth, uh, so to speak. And the links will be in the description, climatedepot.com, uh, Twitter. You can sign up to Mark's uh, email list and definitely get the book, you know, apart from being excellent. Uh, you know, it brings back uh, memories, as I said, of the past two years, um, sort of reinforcing, uh, you know, the the urge that, you know, we need to continue fighting this wherever we are. As Teddy Roosevelt You know, do what you can with what you got where you are. And also, I believe purchasing the book means taking a little stab at the Great Reset Beast. Again, the Great Reset Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Thanks for coming on Geopolitics and Empire, Mark.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I hope you
0: enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com. And I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned Geopolitics and Empire in a 2021 article, co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe,